Hi everybody, Mike Wardrop from Encounter Church here and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. Hello everybody, I'm Jenny. For those who haven't met me, I'm one of the pastors here. Um, Hello online church, it is good to have you. Um, Big hello to Beryl, I know she's online, so welcome to church, Um, and I'm sure there are plenty others. But it is good to be in the room with you all. It is good to be back. I have not preached since I was online. So excuse me if I talk to the camera a bit today. Um, And so it is good to be back preaching on our core value of Jesus today. So we are going through over the last week and then the next two weeks, our four core values. So last week, Mike preached on people, which was fantastic. If you missed that, jump onto YouTube or our podcast and check that out. Um, It was a really, really great message. Um, And then next week, um, Mike is preaching on real so be there for that. That's a long weekend, and there's got some exciting things happening around that. I'm very excited for that one, Mike. And then Mike's going to preach on generosity, which is one of my favorite things in the world. So I'm pretty excited about the next couple of weeks. But today I get to preach on Jesus, which is exciting. Um, I grew up in the church. My, uh, I grew up in a long line of Christians. My grandfather was a pastor. My father, who's in the room, was a pastor. Um, and now I'm a pastor, which I think is pretty cool. So I find that's a real blessing that I've had in my life. And um, I met Jesus at the age of four, which might seem a bit crazy to those of you who uh, have four-year-old children. But um, I was in a church service. My dad took me one day, and I was sitting in the front row, a bit like Eric here, but I wasn't quite as long as your legs are, and I was swinging them. And I just remember a feeling, this, this feeling of something coming, washing over me. And I just felt this joy and this peace that I'd never experienced before. And I went home, and uh, I didn't articulate it quite like that as a four-year-old, I'm sure, but I, I told my mom uh, about this encounter, that, well, this thing that had happened to me. And she said, well, that's the Holy Spirit, and we... And we prayed together, and from that day on, I have um, always had a a strong faith in Jesus. And I've not always done it well. There were times as a child that I decided a great way to tell people about Jesus would be to tell them that they're going to hell if they don't believe in Jesus, uh, which probably wasn't some of my greatest ways of evangelizing. So not saying it doesn't work, but it definitely doesn't work on the playground. Um, So don't do that. But when I was about 17 or 18, uh, I really started to question who this Jesus that I was following was. And not only who is he, but why should I follow him? Why give up my whole life to tell people about him? And that's where my real faith, uh, my real journey of faith started. So perhaps you've grown up in church um, and you've been a part of the church for your whole life. That's awesome. Or perhaps you just started following Jesus recently. Or perhaps you're looking at me going, I have no idea who this Jesus fellow is. Well, let me tell you that's what I'm here to talk about today. So I tried to look up some facts about how many people had heard of Jesus. And that's real hard to do. I did lots of Googling this week. doesn't really exist. But one thing I did work out pretty quickly is that the, the amount of people who really know Jesus is a lot less than those who had actually heard about him. So I, um, James 2 says, even the demons know Jesus and tremble. So one thing I was thinking this week is that knowing about Jesus isn't enough. We actually need to know Jesus personally for ourselves. 
So Jesus started his public ministry at around the age of 30. Uh, and last week we heard about some of his miracles when he raised Lazarus to, to life. And we can read about other miracles that he's done, wonderful miracles where he's saved children or given people back their sight. He's taught people God's way to live. He's sat with people, loved people, cared with people. And we can read about that in the scriptures. But one thing that we don't talk about all that much is how Jesus knew God, how Jesus built a relationship with God. Now, I know you're thinking, Jenny, he was God. And yes, he was. But while he was on earth, he was fully human. So he had to listen for God's voice. And more than that, he had to know the Father. Matthew eleven twenty seven 27 says, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Jesus walked daily with God, but he also took time to really know the Father. He went up on a mountain to be with God, to listen. He learned the scriptures. You know, there are some scholars that believe that because he was a Jew, he would have been brought up learning the scriptures, going through almost like a theological college. There's other... um, Scholars that believe that he was, uh, he worked with his dad as a carpenter. And either way, what well, the thing we learn about Jesus very clearly from a very young age is he knew the word of God well. But he didn't just know the word of God, he knew God. And that's really what I want to get into today. So I personally don't know Jesus because I've read some really amazing books about Jesus, or even because I have felt the presence and the power of Jesus. I know Jesus because I have a relationship with him. For too long, I think we've read the words of Jesus in the New Testament, but we haven't really gotten to know him. We haven't really sat at his feet and listened. We haven't spent enough time in his presence. When we really know Jesus, we know that he was more than a guy who did some really cool miracles, and he did some awesome miracles. His disciples did some awesome miracles. We've seen some awesome miracles in this church. But God did more than that. Jesus did more than that. He was a son of God, and he saw into people. He knew who we really were. And we, I think that right now we live in a bit of a culture where um, we take the best of everything. I don't know about you, but like, I mean, I do it on social media. Or I do it on um, what TV shows I want to watch, right? I grab this bit here or I get this bit. And I think we do that sometimes in our faith. We grab this bit of the gospel that we really like or we grab this bit, but we don't like this bit when we talk about sin or something like that. So I'm just going to leave that over there. And um, I think that we've become uh, a faith where... Um, it's kind of been more like a fast food God in many ways. So even those who, of you who say fast food's disgusting, it's greasy, it's horrible, all that kind of jazz, um, I totally agree with you. Um, I still eat it, but I totally agree with you. But you'd agree with me that it's easy, right? It's easy to get fast food. When you're just out and about driving your car and you just drive it, or even now, you just overeat something, right? Like it's super easy to get that, that junk food into our life, unfortunately. And I wonder if we uh, treat our relationship with God a little bit like this. We, we tend to treat it like a fast food rather than sitting down and really allowing good food to nourish our bodies. And We need to know how good Jesus is for us when we sit down and we actually allow him to nourish our body. And so tonight, I want us to read through John 4. Um, And we're actually going to read through a fair bit of it. So if you've got your Bibles, open them up. I'd love you to join with me, starting in John 4, verse 4. And I will do my best to pronounce all these words correctly. Now, Jesus had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sakaar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, 
and Jesus was tired as he was from the journey. He sat down by the well. It was about noon. Now, when I read that scripture, all of a sudden I thought, I love that Jesus sat down at the well tired. And I love that because I think for a moment we see the humanity of Jesus. We see that Jesus was a real human, just like you and I. Jesus understood what it meant to be tired. He understood what it meant to need to sit down by the well and to rest. And I think it's a beautiful moment when we can see the humanity of Jesus and we can understand that he meets us in our humanity. It goes on in verse 7 to say, When a, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone in the town to buy food. Now, there's a few little things in these two verses just now that I think are beautiful. Firstly, I think that if you'd been going for a long walk with Jesus, and they had obviously been walking for a while, and um, they got there and Jesus said, oh, I need, to, I need to sit down, I'm going to stay here. I'm pretty sure at least one of those disciples would have come and said, oh, I'll stay with you, Jesus, it's all right. But Jesus said, no, 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 all you disciples go into the city and get some food. Now, I found that really interesting when I thought about it, and I thought, I wonder if Jesus said that because he knew what was coming. He knew who was coming. And he knew that he needed a moment with this woman who came to the well. And I love that because sometimes I think that we think that we have to chase after Jesus, that we have to run after him. But I really think that Jesus is right there with us. Jesus is sitting right beside us. Jesus is right there wanting for us, waiting for us to come because he's already there. And I think, and the beautiful thing about this story is that he uses his humanity to have this moment with the woman at the well, to show her, um, to have, start a conversation, a beautiful conversation. It goes on in verse 9 and says, The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman says, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water from? I think she sounds a bit sassy there. She's like, you don't have anything to draw from the well with? What are you going to, you know, what do you got this great man? Anyway, she probably wasn't, but anyway, that's what I imagine. She says, are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks of the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up into eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go and call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Jesus, in that moment, gives this woman a chance to tell the truth. He gives this woman a moment to say, this is my life. But she doesn't. She just says, I have no husband. And I think the reason that she does that is because sometimes the truth hurts. Sometimes it's hard to hear those things that we don't want to hear from people. And I think sometimes we don't want to speak the truth over other people because we're worried we're going to hurt them. Well, John 8 says the truth will set us free. And so if we truly believe that, then sharing the truth in love will actually set us free. Um, I think 
It's funny because when I put this into practice, I don't love hearing the truth, if I'm really honest with you. Uh, My beautiful, wonderful husband uh, is great at telling me the truth often, Um, but I don't always want to hear it. We have a bit of a a saying at the moment, well, not in the moment, we have a saying in our family and in this church, believe the best in people. And so some days, I'm sure none of you would ever expect this, I have bad days and I might not always believe the best in you and I I need to get better at that. And I love, one of the things I love is that because Mike loves me, he loves me enough to say, Jen, we believe the best in people. He loves me enough to speak the truth over my life, even if it hurts in that moment, because what it'll do is bring me closer to Jesus and to be more like him. It goes on in verse 19. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and it has now come, that the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and in his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one who are speaking to you, I am he. One of the many things I love about this scripture is he doesn't tell the woman the truth and her sin and say, you're a sinner and now I'm walking away. No, what Jesus does is says, I see your sin. And he does something absolutely beautiful. He opens up his hand and he says, you can have a drink of the living water. And what he means here is that she can have eternal life with God in heaven where her sins are forgiven. And do you know what the great thing about this is? This is the miracle that only Jesus can do. This is not a miracle that his disciples can do. This is not a miracle that we can do. Only Jesus forgives sins. We are saved from our sins, from the things that bring us further away from God. We are saved into eternal life with Jesus, a life on earth lived with him. But we are saved from the patterns and habits that bring us further away from God. We are welcomed into the family of God, a place where you can be told truth in love, where you are allowed to flourish where you are helped to be like Jesus more every day. That is one of my biggest prayers for this community, that we can be a church that helps each other to be more like Jesus every day. No matter how hard we try, earthly things will never satisfy this longing we have for God. Jesus knew that that lady needed a drink from the water and that there was Jesus as her saviour, the only one that could give her that real life in him. This is the miracle that we all need. Jesus is more than writing on these pages. He is a God who reaches out of these pages and touches our lives, changes us, loves us, forgives us. Knowing about Jesus is not enough. We actually need to know Jesus personally. And when we let Jesus in, that's where it starts. But can I be honest with you? When you only know Jesus on paper and not in your spirit, you come to church out of an obligation, perhaps even out of a habit, not out of sheer love. The word is God-breathed and there is power in it. I like to think a little bit 
about it like this. So there's this dating app called Tinder. None of you know about, right? <laughs> Deadly silence. Like, <laughs> no, never heard of it. All right, well, there is. This app. Actually, do you know what? I was Googling this week, and I found out there's more than just Tinder. There's a lot. There's Christian mingling. There's elite singles. Um, I didn't click on any of these websites, by the way. I just read that they were there. Um, and so I, I want to kind of explain it to you in this sense. So when you jump on Tinder, or someone jumps on Tinder, not any of you guys, um, you, you find a picture of someone that you want to get to know more, and then, you know, you swipe left or right or up or down, or someone can tell me because I don't use it, um, and you find the person that's your true love, and you take... And you go out for coffee with them in a really public place, all right? I'm just going to say that again, in a really public place, okay? And then all of a sudden, you realize as they walk in that they are nothing like their profile picture. <laughs> what a letdown. Or sometimes, you wonder if they're even the same person as their profile picture. <laughs> the truth is, it's a, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Anyway, um, you can take it down to distract everybody. The truth is, when you just see someone, you can't actually get to know them until you actually spend time with them. And then you start to actually work out who they are. Jesus knew this with the woman at the well. She had no idea who this guy was asking her for a drink. Actually, all she knew about him was that he shouldn't be talking to her. But when she got to know him, she found out that Jesus was much more than meets the eye. Jesus is the reverse of Tinder. He already knows you. He wants you to know him better. And you know what? He picks you. To know Jesus who heals you is fantastic. But to know the Jesus who forgives, who sets free, that is the Savior that we all need. We all need to know that Jesus. On the Bible Ref website, they write, writers of Augustus to C.S. Lewis have said that human nature finds itself ultimately dissatisfied with material things. We seek those kinds of water because we're trying to quench our spiritual thirst. Only a healed relationship with God through salvation in Christ can solve that problem. Knowing Jesus brought her salvation, was life-changing for this woman. She ran home to tell everybody she could about it. She wanted them to get to know Jesus as well. And it goes on in verse 42. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. They didn't just believe because the woman told them about, it, about him. They believed because they had personally encountered Jesus. That's what changed them. Not just, learn, not just hearing the name of Jesus, but personally having an encounter with the living God. Our first core value is Jesus because we need him in all that we do. We need him to fulfill our lives. Our mission, that God-shaped hole inside of you, doesn't get filled with anything else. Jesus had his hand open to you to say, salvation, freedom, and truth comes through me. You will not find what you need in the world, but you will find it in Jesus. If we go back to Tinder for a minute, not to the pictures, we, t we take a risk by going out on a date. We take a risk that he or her might not be 
uh, the same person that you thought they were. We risk that it might not work out, or worse, that they might not even turn up. Thankfully, Mike turned up on my first date, which wasn't through Tinder. We take a risk. We take a risk when we choose Jesus. But he is the only one that doesn't let us down. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And the truth is, he picks you. He picked you before you were born. He knows you, and he simply wants you to know him that bit better. He is not standing there waiting to tell you off for everything that you've done. He's standing there with an open hand saying, Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Abide in me as I abide in the Father. For I am the truth, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is saying to us today, I see you, and I love you, and I want you to really know me. To know Jesus is to daily walk with him. To take his hand and simply say, I want more of you. I want more of what you have for me. Jesus is the one you've been looking for. We see Jesus in community. We see Jesus in this church. We see Jesus in, this, in the word. We see Jesus in worship. We can see him in our whole lives if we're willing to let him in. If we're willing to let him come off the pages of this book and into our lives. Some of you have, have recently began a relationship with Jesus. And I hope you understand that Jesus is right there walking with you. He wants you to know him, to know his love, and to start to see what he has for you. Some of you, you're well into your walk with Jesus. Perhaps it's been many years. But you have stopped trying to know Jesus. You serve Jesus, sure. Perhaps even you serve a band. But knowing him is another thing. Taking him into your everyday life and listening to him. Moving forward in the ways he would want for you. That takes time and it does take effort. When I was a young mum, I, I said to a lady, I said, I just don't seem to have time to sit down quietly and pray with the Lord. And she said, well, do you have a dishwasher? I said, no, do you want to give me one? Um, she said, no. But she said, well, why don't you pray while you're doing the dishes? And I was like, yeah, I can do that. So I started praying while I washed the dishes. And then I started praying while I picked up a mountain of toys that my kids decided every day to throw on the floor. And I started to use those moments to pray, to have that relationship with God that impacted every area of my life. But it wasn't until I had that, it wasn't waiting for that hour-long moment that I had, but it was going, okay, what am I, God, how can I speak to you right now, right where I'm at? How can I get to know you, Jesus? So maybe today, you need to decide to really get to know Jesus, to take the time out of your busy day to listen, to read, and to encounter Jesus. It's the same with eating good food. It fills our body. You know, it's very easy to go and get that fast food, God, but if you take the time to make a salad, to cut it up, to fry up some good healthy chicken without some good crunchy skin on it, if you take the time to do that, that is what nourishes you, that is what fuels you, and it's the same with your relationship with God. It's what transforms you. It's what you actually need. Many of you would know Brant Jones. Brant's a wonderful man. Not without his faults, of course, but um, he'll tell you that. But 
If you ask him how to stay in the faith, he will tell you to stay in a relationship with Jesus. Jesus is Brant's best friend. And do you know what? You can see it. You can see it in who he is. A life well lived is one where Jesus is at your center. You don't just read about him, but you get to know him. For some of you, that's going to look like saying yes to Jesus for the first time again, or perhaps for the 10th time. For some of you, it's going to look like saying, Jesus, I want you in my whole life. To those of you who have known Jesus for a while, I want to challenge you. Do not become a habitual Christian. Do not become a habitual Christian, but become a transformed Christian. A transformed Christian looks different. They are different. I challenge you, talk to a friend tonight or this week and tell them, do you know what? I know of Jesus, but I don't know him. I've stopped getting to know him. Tell them, let them keep you accountable because while the truth might hurt, it actually sets you free. Maybe you just need to say like we do with our core values, that without Jesus, there is nothing. That Christ lives in me and I'm going to try and live that way. Maybe you've not been allowing him into your decisions. Maybe you're afraid of that. Maybe you're holding back part of your life and Jesus is saying, I see you. I see your faults. I see your weaknesses. I see your strengths. And I still choose you. I still love you. I simply want you to get to know me better. Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you were able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We'd love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.